Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and this is episode 53. And today we're going to be talking about the Asian missional narrative in Quebec. Let's do this. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you guys so much for joining in on this episode. We are excited to talk about this because Quebec makes up 24% of Canada's population. And we got to be talking about that. If we don't talk about that, we're like, you know, just talking about three quarters of Canada. It's been a long time coming that we wanted to talk about this topic. And we're glad that we have an opportunity to do so. As always, Bernard is here. Bernard, what's going on? What's up? What's up? What's up? Yes. And our conversation today, we have a very special guest with our good friend, Risi, who's been a pastor in Montreal for many years. He's got a passion for the city, especially the Chinese community. He's been serving as a youth mental health ministry coordinator for Chinese Christian Mission of Canada, CCM Canada, in Montreal, and also currently works with the historic French Baptist Union as the director of youth and family ministries. What's going on, Risi? What's going on? What's up, guys? Uh, thanks for the invitation. Uh, it really brings me back to our time at Tyndale and whether, like, you know, spending time at Ajisai uh, <laughs> eating sushi or chicken wings oh, or, you know, oh, yes. and noodles. So um, good. It, and been, skipping class a, for that. No, no, we never did that, right? We know. No, we never did that. <laughs> I didn't do that. I, like, I, I'm not implicating myself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, it, it's, been, it's been good to be in Montreal been sad to be away from you guys but we've had a chance to be stay connected a bit over the years you know we bump into each other we have mutual friends we have weddings or we had that connection through canadian baptist so we see each other here and there so like it's it, we're not so disconnected we, we still see each other yeah once in a while once in a long once, while once in a long while yeah that means the next time you're back in town or we're over in your neck of the woods we have to go for food that's just the way it is right that's right yes. that's right <laughs> yeah so Risi, as we start off this episode, would you share just a little bit about yourself? What's been your journey? You mentioned Tyndale is part of that, and you are in Montreal. You've been in Montreal for a while. So what's your journey been like? Yeah, uh, like I, I have a mixed or, or at, at best, you know, or some people might say conflicted origin story. Oftentimes, and I still use this tagline even after all these years from Tyndale, but I, I like to introduce myself as a French-speaking Canadian of Chinese Cambodian heritage born in Thailand. Ah, oh, yes. So it's, um, my family, we became, our journey started in Canada back in 1979 when we were fleeing the, the Cambodian genocide and, and arriving in, in Quebec. And I myself accepted Christ in 97 when I was in mm. CJEP. So for those who are not you know, aware of what CJEP is, it's sort of like grade 12, 13, sort of like a separate school, separate institution just for that in Quebec. And so after uni, I, you know, spent some time in software dev until I, yeah, decided to just quit that, go back to school and go to Tyndale for my, uh, for my seminary. And then, you know, seminary finished, went back to Montreal and been in the industry since then, you know, uh, like you did mention, like you mentioned CCM, you mentioned Baptist Union. Uh, and then before that, there was, uh, yeah, the associate pastor at the Montreal Chinese Baptist Church. Mm, nice. Nice. I remember like a while back you had said, so how many languages do you speak? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a tricky question. Disclaimer, like in CJEP, so that grade 12, 13 into university, like I, I always did like languages and computer science. 
And so in CJET, for example, I, I had like Spanish classes, Italian classes, English classes, obviously, French classes, even though I was a French speaker. So those were like the four languages I, I spoke at the time. You, know, you add like Chinese and, you know, a bit of broken Cambodian, a bit of broken, you know, Thai or just enough Thai, you know, haggle and get your food and, you know, like pretend that you're local. <laughs> man, that's good enough. Local prices. The, the, the most important, the most important right? part exactly. of the language. Yeah. Order yeah. food, you're good, man. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Forget about like knowing how to cut in other languages. Like if you know how to order food, that's when you know, you know, yeah. that's when you know, <laughs> that's when you know. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah, no, a few languages for sure. Like, you know, so, no, it's fine. I mean, I mean, our family has always bathed in like languages, like all sorts of languages flying around. So like, you know, we've always had Cantonese flying around. I went to, when I did Chinese school, I was in Mandarin. You know, we grew up going to French school, but then learn English along the way. And then, so this, my dad is Chiu Chao. So, you know, there's Chiu Chao here and then Cambodian, obviously. Wow. And Thai. So it's sort of like all over the map. Wow. I would say that, you know, God has specifically gifted and skilled you that if you were to be dropped into anywhere in the world, maybe not anywhere in the world, but like 50% of the world, you'd be like, let's, let's talk about Jesus. And you'd be ready to go. He'd be just like, you'd be good with the language. It's, it'd be awesome. I definitely try. That's for sure. At least you can order food first. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Invite people to the table. That's right. You know. Get to Jesus somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like, come and eat food with me. I'll talk about stuff. Yes. All right. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Quebec. You know, you've been in Quebec for a long time, a big part of your life. You know, how would you describe the spiritual climate in Quebec? Uh, man, spiritual climate. Quebec has a history with uh, religion, especially uh, Christian in terms of Catholic for, for a long time. It's been a good and, and, and ended with a bad note for sure in, in the modern, you know, in our times. So I think there's definitely been, there's definitely a big baggage with uh, the Christian church. People are still not so clear about the difference between Catholics and evangelical Christian. And so, you know, when they see a, a church plant, where they see like a, an old church with a cross or a building with a cross, they're really like sort of apprehensive, very like, you know, very suspicious about it. We're still like, uh, I'm pretty sure under 1% of the population of Quebec be, being evangelical Christian. So that means like, we could barely fit or maybe just about fit the, the Olympic Stadium, right? So that's, like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's sort of like kind of weird to think about it, uh, less than 1%. So that really qualifies us as many other countries in the world where, you know, it's completely like, sort of unreached or so. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of strange in that, in that sense. So it does, you know, I'd love to say that we're a minority, but we're really not. Like we're, we're not even exotic, right? Like that's that's way too sexy to, to put it. Like we're, we're just like we're just an anomaly. We're like we're just it's just abnormal almost to be Christian in Quebec. Um, and you know, like growing up, honest, like like in high school, I've I only knew of one guy who said he was evangelical Christian, and to be honest, I didn't even know what that was. Like I just I just didn't know, right? <laughs> um, until much later when I went to CJEP grade like grade 12 13 and then and then i met more uh christian who actually went to church evangelical christian i was like oh, okay and then st- it was still nebulous like i yeah. still didn't know what a christian was honestly what's a catholic kind of community like now yeah it's i mean i think it's like maybe other places in canada like it, it's a lot of uh it's definitely an aging population it's definitely a movement that's uh i think i mean i'm, I'm not from the movement nor do i have close, close friends in that movement, but they're definitely going through changes themselves as well, obviously. And, uh, but I don't, I know a lot of these churches are, yeah, just aging. And because, you know, there's been a, a bad experience with it. A lot of these 
a lot of the baby boomers, for example, did not grow up going to church, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right. Uh, uh, or like decide to leave the church. And so their kids were never exposed to the church. So, you know, it makes the Christian climate here interesting uh, on some points because some people are really like, it's just so new to them when you talk about Christianity, when you talk about, you know, what the Bible teaches or actually teaches, like it's just refreshing. It's new. They, it's things they never learned and they find interesting. On the other side, you know, there's the whole baggage, the whole collective baggage that comes with it where people are like very suspicious without really knowing why. Um, <laughs> so it, it does make, you know, it does create some different challenges, but creates different opportunities. So, so it's interesting, you know, like um, it's double-edged sword. So mm. yeah, It's yeah. interesting to hear you describe it that way, that it's, you know, because of that long history and, you know, that very difficult history with the Catholic Church, that's something that's been passed down in culture to the point where there's still kind of this hesitation or this kind of, you know, animosity towards Catholic Church without actually knowing why anymore, without actually, you know, really no- remembering the history. But there's a sense that, oh, yeah, the Catholic Church had this presence here. It wasn't good, but no one really talks about that anymore. anymore. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, it's sort of funny, right? Like, I'm, I'm listening to you saying that, and like, if something just like popped, is like, you know, we often talk about, right, or nominal Catholics. Right. And I think there's also something to be said about nominal catholic naysayer or christian naysayer right like <laughs> sure like they just call them like you know they're just again against the church but they don't really know they really practice <laughs> they're like they're just mm-hmm. part of it because their parents were like that you know so yeah that's interesting i was i was once like listening to a guy talk about canadian church history and how like there was one era and how like over the course of a couple of years like quebec had this kind of like from 80% people saying that they are part of a Catholic to mm-hmm. like 40% or something like that. Um, and just kind of like this weird anomaly of like, like secularization overnight. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're definitely the, they call it the revolution tranquille or revolution silencieuse. So like the sort of like the, the, the quiet awakening, right? In Quebec, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of, it definitely had a huge influence rapidly. Mm. And definitely, like, you know, corruption with the church or the, mm. the authority that the church had sort of sped things up for sure. So when we when we came to Quebec from from Cambodia, from the refugee camp, like we were adopted. I, and I found that I found that only like decades later that we were actually adopted by two families from a Catholic church. OK. And so I didn't even know that. <laughs> like, that's how, I don't know, nominal, nominal Catholic they were. Like, they were Catholic, but they like we never knew for like decades <laughs> So, so it never came they, up. It never came it up never in came any up. conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It never came up. And okay. so and so when when they found out that I was going to seminary, they were completely offended. They were like, What? We didn't bring this kid and his family from from Cambodia so that he goes to <laughs> seminary. Like, yeah, there was just this animosity, like still, you know? And they were smacking, you know, in that age group. So and they grew up but they grew up going to church, right? So it's sort of like, yeah, almost overnight, you know, like Tons of people in Quebec just developed that that resentment, that that rejection for the church. So, mm, they they just checked out. Do you find yeah. that it carries over to the younger generation though, or is that kind of like becomes a generation that's like, well, I don't know, like that's my parents, yeah. but like I don't have any framework to kind of wrestle yeah, yeah, faith yeah. in. I think definitely for the Gen Xers, yeah, like it does carry. But for the millennials, I would I would say not really mm. because. If any of them had experience of the church, it was experience of the church because they were with with older relatives, like grandparents or great grandparents, and so those are 
good memories almost to put it that way um <laughs> you know like they when they when they were kids and so so it's not skiing so definitely like you know like their experience and their openness to discussing things is definitely different than yeah. gen xers where their posture i would say like yes they're curious but you know they won't want to dwell or delve into it too too much too quickly right mm. gen xers are kind of the broody kind of also, like, yeah. like negative like debbie downer type right <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm like kind of gen xer right so yeah it, it, question yeah, authority <laughs> yeah, yeah question yeah. everything question sure. everything yeah i'm with you bernard like I'm, I'm totally like that too and i think that's one of the things that makes the spiritual climate in Quebec very unique, right? Because I don't think the rest of Canada has experienced it quite so much, especially with the Catholic influence, you know, the Catholic, you know, connections with, you know, city government structures and such like that. That's kind of very unique for Quebec, right? Yeah, we definitely have a unique setup. I mean, and then you add in secularism, you add in history. Yeah, uh, it makes it very, very difficult sometimes to be Christian. Uh, sometimes, Sometimes it just makes it interesting because you know like people are just it's so foreign to them everything is so foreign yeah i think you know the idea of quebec being a distinct society like is is as true within ourselves that the christians is almost like not a distinct society but it's it's very very apart from from a lot of the things that can happen here so yeah for sure well let's talk a little bit about how you felt the the call to go back to quebec i mean we were all together studying in tyndale you know we we're in toronto and, you know, after Tyndale, you know, you, you and your wife felt that call back to, to be ministering in that environment. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the, the call to go back to Montreal was there even before we went to, to Tyndale. My, my wife is born in Montreal, although she is from, uh, you know, her parents were, were from Hong Kong and studying in McGill. But uh, both of us, you know, like, he, like we grew up here, we know the language, we know the people, we know the church vibe, we know the, the, the city's vibe, we know like the politics. We just know so much of the, the the people and the culture here that that for us like it was like we never thought about doing ministry anywhere else like we just felt mm. that god had put such a huge deposit in our hearts and our lives to shape us a certain way and to make us see things a certain way that it just made sense to be back right i grew up with a lot of people who, who were separatist right like full disclaimer at the time i wanted quebec to be different to be you know its own place because right. we're so distinct so, so it just made sense because we had that understanding of, of the people of the place to be back here. And we loved it, right? Like we just loved it so much that we had, like, I still have a lot of pride for this province. Like I would die for this province if I, if mm. I could. You know? And so I think, you know, like we just wanted to be back and it just seemed to really coincide with what God was putting in line in front of us. You know, it doesn't mean I, that I think that outsiders cannot reach out people in Montreal and cannot, you know, do God's work in Montreal. But it's just like I, I felt like God was opening certain doors for us that that required people that had a sort of like history and experience. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and also, you know, at the same time, like I think there's a huge need in the Christian scene in, in, in Quebec, you know, uh, especially within the Chinese churches. We felt that on top of having a good understanding of, of what's, what's happening here, we also understood really well the, the sort of weird, strange animal that is Chinese churches in Quebec. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, like we were just really, really looking forward to come back and, and to help any way we could with, you know, like the, the future growth, the problems that were happening or the problems that we could see coming up. So like for us, like it was, 
the call was that it was so clear there was never a question that okay we we will be doing ministry anywhere else but here you know right so you know when we came back in 2010 2011 like we just went straight back to our home church yeah and applied for that position and you know uh, it was just like a natural like natural back into our groove back into where we wanted to be and and where god was preparing things for us so yeah awesome awesome and you know what you know we also believe in, in scripture that, you know, when we confess our sins to one another, we are healed. And so this could be the time where you could say like, hey, you know, after I met John, Bernard and Shu, I knew that I just couldn't stay in Ontario. I, I need to get as far away from them as possible. We just need to, <laughs> no, 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 if, no, if you no. want to do that right now, we can do that right if, now. If any confession is that I wasn't able to convert you guys to come to be here. <laughs> James, James came for a while, right? Like oh, yeah. James, James did come. James so we did there. James. James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, so maybe there's like some some success there. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you know what? Yes, if you, I'm yes. sure if you were to talk to James, like he like he would talk to you in length about his love for Montreal and the people. So yeah, he did tell us about the rats that were in his church. I, if for 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 those who are listening, who are long time listeners, we've had James on, you know, in our, in our first season, and you should go hear some of the stuff he was saying about you know his church and his experience too. Yeah. I just remember yeah. he always calls out on me about coffee shops and how yeah. some Montreal has a better <laughs> coffee shop than Toronto, which I half agree. I half agree. You half agree. Half. You're not fully converted. You're just like considerate of of his claims. Yes. <laughs> so since you mentioned it, Reese, like I think you know this is a perfect time to talk a little bit about like this unique dynamic that you've noticed, you've observed in Chinese churches in montreal and in quebec you know as a whole and so what is it like like what are like what's the chinese church like i don't know if you've had any further experience with any of the asian churches or kind of heard from any other asian churches in in montreal or quebec what makes it unique what differentiates chinese church in montreal or quebec like we were talking before right before like how montreal like quebec as a, as a province has very few christians like less than one percent of the t- total population evangelical christian and so that makes the chinese churches even fewer and and even smaller sure so you know even with the history that we have where the chinese church you know the, the oldest church even like you know would be the, the the chinese presbyterian and so we're talking about 1897 but the rest of them is mostly in the 1900s right 1970s 1950s and so it's pretty recent history and so I think, you know, not too many iteration of that church, not too many generations yet. And so I think it makes that, it makes it so that the churches are pretty uh, insular in a sense, because like they've just been by themselves and focusing on themselves. What was really interesting when I moved to Toronto and I saw how, how the churches were connected, how the Chinese churches were connected in Toronto. You know, like, Macha is a really small area when you think about it. It's a very, very small city. But when you compare it to like Toronto and GTA, like it seemed like a lot of Ch- Chinese churches in, in the GTA knew each other. People knew each other because of various events, right? Like there was softball, there's like James conference. conference, you know? <laughs> um, and so like, we don't have that here. Like there's not that synergy. There's not that, you know, that connection. And so because of that, and, and I think it's just, you know, reflection that yes, there's, a, there's very few Christians in, 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 in Quebec. Same thing for Chinese people. But it's also reflective of the churches are struggling, you know, because like it's hard. It's just hard to be Christian to start with. And then it's hard to be Chinese. And it's, you know, you couple those things together and it's just like, wow, it's like recipe for, 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 for the hardest, you know, one of the hardest thing ever to be a Chinese Christian in the distinct society, Quebec. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that sets the part, the church, you know, sort of separate from each other in the sense that also what it causes is that the churches don't exchange so much. The churches are not prone to be looking outward as much because they're focusing on making sure that everybody in their own church are surviving and growing and, and you know, and doing well. Mm-hmm. But it does cause that, you know, that there was lack of communication. And it was also like this sort of, and I've only realized after I moved to Toronto for Tyndale that like, after all, like Montreal was sort of really stuck in the like in the in the time warp, like like <laughs> like that like you know the, the 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 things that the Chinese churches in Toronto were talking and experiencing and struggling with, we hadn't even start discussing struggling with these things for most churches in Montreal. I'm sure some right. churches were, but like some churches were not. So things like you know second gen ministry and you know like uh, the youth bleeding out of the church or you know even like changing the name of the church to remove the word Chinese those were like sort of not unheard of in Montreal but they were sort of really on the peripheral like you know like mm-hmm. if you we're talking about them like you were really like forward thinking you were the anomaly of the anomaly of the anomaly you know and so like I think like you know a decade or two decades ago. Like the Chinese Christian scene in Montreal, we were at least at least a decade behind some of the churches in North America, like Chinese churches in North America. Sure. Like I remember when I was at Tyndale, I I, I visited the Sunset Park Church in California, and like and that just like blew my mind because I was like, okay, like Toronto church, Toronto, Toronto Chinese church scene is something, and then going to California, I was like, whoa, this is like, like <laughs> like I need two brains to wrap my mind around this at least, you know. But uh, yeah, and so I think that was the church vibe maybe in Montreal here, like, you know, a decade or two ago. And then right now, I think the church here, the Chinese church here in Montreal is still sort of in the time warp, but we're maybe like under the 10-year mark. So, you know, like we are, you know, like churches here, most of them are starting to think about hiring like a youth, you know, some sort of youth or children staff because like, oh, like, yeah, we should like, disciple them <laughs> and we should think about you know like a plan and so yeah so it's just you know so it's sort of interesting and like even in terms of like where what is this chinese church and how does it function and like it's really interesting how like things are sort of like coming a bit after mm. other parts of uh, other parts of the world I mean, there's nothing wrong with this i mean it's just it's just you know, a result or a function of, of where we live and the, 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 the realities here in Quebec. Yeah. But so it's interesting. And then, you know, and then I think on top of, yeah. So I think, I think those would be like the current, my current assessment of it. Sure. Which is really fascinating. Cause like, you know, like it's interesting that you're saying the Chinese churches are behind, but yet like for many churches, they look to Quebec and Montreal and it's like, well, that's kind of the trajectory of secularization yeah you know, for the mm. rest of canada and yet like it's kind of this kind of weird kind of like montreal is looking at the rest of canada and the can- rest of canada is kind of like, <laughs> like, like say, well, we're, we're heading there and they're yeah. like no no like we're yeah. kind of following you guys but it's kind of like yeah. well yeah how does this loop-de-loop kind of work it's super ironic right because yeah you're totally right so with bill 21 with the the what people call the secularization bill yeah like quebec is so we're sort of like years ahead of other yeah. other parts of north america right where like the state has decided okay like no religious symbols for example in public mm-hmm. sector by public servants removing this from this area so that like it's as non-religious as possible so yeah you're totally right like as much as the province i think is is sort of a, a lab 
where Christians around the world could come and could do reflections and use this as a, you know, as a lab to experiment with different things. When it comes to the Chinese church, and I think most ethnic churches, I think if I'm not wrong, I mean, I'm somewhat in contact with Haitian churches, Latino churches. Yeah, like there's there's this reaction where like we we become even more insular, like even more conservative or traditional. Preserve so the tradition. Up, yeah, and sort of yeah. pulls us back a bit, you know, from from embracing what's happening and sort of being very forth thinking. That creates a tension for sure, right? Before between the younger and the older yeah. people in the church. So yeah. Because isn't there like some very creative ways that the churches in, in Montreal like even Montreal is kind of engaging and wrestling with what it means to kind of engage with society? Because um, I heard about yep. St. Jack's and what they do yep. as an Anglican church and I hear yep. like, you know, churches like 180 that was planted yep. just yeah, recently. Dom, Dom yeah, yeah. So there's like yeah, and I'm I'm kinda of thinking about especially like with the second gen, like how like this kind of cultural slash, like I'm wrestling with like my faith in my cultural nuancing is kind of like, Oh man, it's so messy. Cause then it's like this this heavy disorienting dissonance that they're experiencing. For sure. Yeah. And and that's the thing, right? Like of the churches you mentioned, for example, of all the the creative things that are happening, I think very few of them are coming from ethnic churches Mm. because it's sort of that extra layer that the ethnic churches have to, or at least one extra layer that the ethnic churches have to deal with, right? Like in terms of, the place of culture and the place of their ethnicity. Quebec being Quebec and, and ethnic churches, especially Chinese churches being Chinese churches, like we have to deal with with the whole result of uh, Bill 101, right? Which is basically like the language law. Like uh, it's sort of, sort of saying how kids who come here from immigrant parents, like they, they have no choice but to go to French school. And so that creates an even greater divide in terms of language, in terms of culture, in the home, in the society, but even more so in the church, right? And so, like, for example, for the Chinese churches, some of the, the, the things we deal here that maybe we, like churches in Toronto or other places don't deal as much with is having this new generation that doesn't only talk a different language, but talks like a, a, a language that's, um, how to say, that, that's institutionalized, right? Like French here is like an like official language, mm-hmm. as, as is English, but... Mm-hmm. But a lot of them, like, you know, come to our church and they're Chinese uh, or kids of Chinese descent or Asian descent, and they, and they speak only French almost, right? And so, like, the churches are so not ready for this. Like, already we have to deal with, like, Mandarin, <laughs> Cantonese, English, and then like, you add a fourth language in the mix. It's like, come on, it's like, you know, <laughs> this game is completely rigged, right? But, uh, but, it's just, <laughs> but it's just, like, one of the realities we have to deal with. That's why they need you, Rizzy. That's right. (laughs) A person who could speak all languages, you are primed. It's interesting you mentioned that because a lot of the pastors will be able to speak French, right? And so, like, I think even Karen uh, at the City West Baptist, like, she she knows French enough, you know? I know in the Alliance Church that there's one of the the Alliance Church that started the French service, which is amazing, right? Like, I mean, that's definitely, like, a a model that that Chinese churches will have to pick up and refine Mm -hmm. and, and discuss more, but that will have to be part of the Chinese mod, the Chinese church model, I think, in, or at least the conversation, I think we will see some Chinese churches that will become like, not trilingual, but like quadrilingual. quadrilingual. Like I have no idea what it looks like, even living here, right? Like I, like honest, but the, the, you know, that's part of our reality. So, yeah. Yeah. It really makes me think if, you know, as we look ahead and as we observe what happens, if the patterns will be similar to other Asian churches you've noticed, whether it's on in Ontario, you mentioned California as well, 
or whether it's going to really chart its own course, or if it's going to be so unique that you know it's going to have to mature and it's going to have to contextualize all on its own. Because you know, like you just mentioned, like that one dynamic of being four languages—that's huge. <laughs> I, I can't even wrap my head around that. It's like you know, being three languages is hard enough, <laughs> but like you know, two or two languages, just right? Simultaneous translation would kill oh, it. Oh, for sure. Oh, yes. That's well, already right. when you have Cantonese and Mandarin, Mandarin, like it just kills it, right? So imagine, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh man, that service would be so short. You know, you prepare a five-minute sermon, and it's translated to three other languages. Hey, you know, or I, 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 I could dig that. <laughs> or super long. <laughs> oh yes, yes. So you know, as as the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, we want to talk about like how do you feel that Quebec Chinese churches are participating on God's mission in your province, in your cities, and you know, where have you seen? You know, discipleship happen. How have you seen people connected with you know their neighborhoods and and with their city in different ways? So, what have you observed? Yeah, I, I think the Asian Church at large in Montreal, like I know, like a lot, a uh, few of them do very good work with First Nations, mm. just because we don't have the baggage that a, a, our white brothers and sisters would have, right? In those in those uh, in those communities, and so they actually welcome us really well. So that's been a huge contribution, I think. I mean, I've received also, you know, personal invitations to, to be part of groups of people who, who would go in, in First Nations community and, and them confirming that, yeah, like, like if you were to come or if you were able to help us with a few people or churches, that, that would be huge for us. Um, mm. So I think it, it's sort of like the, the, the Asian church at large in Quebec, like, like we can be part of such a, a beautiful narrative in redemption with, with, with our Aboriginal brothers and sisters. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So I, I think about what we're doing at that local church at the, at the MCBC at Montreal Chinese Baptist, like how there's been a, you know, it, it's been hard, but there's been sort of a shift where people, some people are, you know, uh, are starting to say, okay, like we're in this neighborhood for a reason. So even though we are Asian, even though we might not be as fluent in French or in English, uh, what can we do for our neighbors? Right. Uh, so our church is sort of super well situated where you know across from our church there is a old folks home and residence and a detox center to our right there's montreal's women's center uh, and then to our left there's a community center wow and so we've just you know we've had prayer walks we've had you know a lot of discernment time a lot of bridge building time to to really to really connect with them and so yeah like we've had at least once that i can remember you know, like uh, at least once or twice, like people from the detox center that just walked over, like, but they're totally not Asian, right? But they, you know, they just found it was their, it was their place. We've had beautiful partnership with the women's center and sharing, even though, you know, I, I do believe them seeing us as a church, like they were always suspicious and, and definitely there's been unfortunate events between our church and theirs. Mm. But, you know, even within one, two dec- decades, like there was redemption and there was, you know, and there was bridge building. So that's beautiful to see how, you know, a Chinese church can go and have a women's health women's center. Uh, and not only, f- and not only for the, their Asian clients, right? Like, I think that that's where the, the value, that's where the beauty is, is that somehow because there was a heart for the community, like that superseded who was being served. Right. Um, that we would add all our Chinese hospitality in it. We would add all our Chinese generosity, you know. So I, I think that's beautiful because we, we still are who we are, 
we're serving a sort of a, a new group of people that that most probably we would we wouldn't have like you know 30 40 years ago so yeah so i think locally for myself personally that's why I'm, that's what i'm seeing um and you know like those are sort of our immediate neighbor but like in that neighborhood itself you know we're close to mcgill university so we constantly have you know welcoming events for international students because the church started as a international group right like it was chinese students from hong kong at mcgill and so who best to serve international students than a church that started as a as a as an international study group right mm. so it's just yeah it's just like uh, like it's just amazing how god has been using that and, and just been just being honoring the identity of the church uh, in that way and you know i, I remember like fondly like one of the first things we did in terms of missional stuff uh, as a chinese church i think it's huge and i'm really really proud of this but when we came back from tyndale we said okay we need to know the neighborhood right like at that time the church had been there for 30 years 30 some years but like not really part of the neighborhood per se not really knowing the neighborhood we decided to put in our budget and our plan to spend the whole summer for the people in the congregation to get to know the neighborhood so rented subletted an apartment and people could sign up to come in and sort of, quote unquote, live in the neighborhood for a week to a month's time and get to know the neighbor, get to know the neighborhood. And so it's sort of like, you know, sort of a move in, but like a really like sort of intensive move in. Yeah. People to come and yeah, experience what the neighborhood is like. And I think that really shaped like the, the, the mentality of the church and, and the people there. So, yeah, for sure. That. So, so incarnational, just like move yeah, into the neighborhood. Hard, right? I mean, yeah. It's so hard for the do for like a Chinese church is like. So why would you want to rent an apartment when you already have a house? And it's like, you know, like, 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 I mean, yeah, like face value doesn't make sense. But I think, you know, but when we think about, yeah, about being incarnational, being missional, like it just makes so much sense, right? Got great kingdom value. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Especially when we're not thinking about moving. So if we're not thinking about moving, then, you know, maybe we should start about, start thinking about, you know, who they are and letting them know who we are. Mm. So that was pretty huge. Otherwise, I mean, like, you know, I look at different churches in, in Montreal and, and, you know, simple things as, as, you know, VBS during the summer, right? Uh, as much as it is for our church kids, there's always, right, like a few kids from the neighborhood that comes. Our best year was when half of the kids in our, in our VBS, like, were from the neighborhood or non-Christian. Yes. And that was amazing, right? Like we, had, like, a, like, we had different people from different backgrounds come. And, and so that was, that was, that was super nice uh, to see. I know that Karen's church like does like does things like that as well, and uh, her congregation reflects you know their efforts. I think cool. um, so. I mean, there's not, there's definitely a lot more to be done. Being so few of us, sometimes it forces us to to go beyond our comfort zone. So this is curious. Like, if you can go back ten years, um, what would you say to yourself, <laughs> like your former self, uh, in terms of ministry in the Church of Montreal, and what what kind of advices, what kind of encouragement be like? that you would have man i would definitely say hey dude like you really have to educate you really have to equip yourself with with culture change and cultural competency stuff i remember like much later on in, in my ministry at at at, um, at montreal chinese baptist like i, I met um, Karen newhoff this gathering and exchanged a few emails with him and i just loved everything that he had to say about like culture change and and, and leading change and you know like i think if I could have had that on on one hand and have some of the cultural IQ stuff just to like incorporate it in it, like I would have, I think 
that would have uh, helped a lot in terms of you know uh, how to build critical mass, how to communicate change, how to you know get ready to 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 lose some to, to be able to in order to gain some you know. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, like I because I, I was reading stuff for sure you know like like a you know a green pastor like yeah, I was definitely you know experimenting with stuff. But I think those those two areas of, of, of leadership or areas of ministry, like I think I, that would have been hugely important, especially in a place like Quebec, right? To be able to, to navigate change, to be able to to navigate cultures, um, I think that would have been huge, uh, and that would have affected like you know patience level and and <laughs> and, and, and you know all these things. So <laughs> very nice, very nice. All right. So at the end of most of our episodes, we generally do a takeout box. And perhaps today for the takeout box, you could share perhaps one dream you have for the Chinese churches in Montreal and in Quebec. What is something you're just excited about or you would long to see? Like, what is a dream that you have? Um, man, like Chinese churches in Montreal, I think, produce some of the most faithful, hardworking Christians there is especially those who are like Chinese church lifers. I think like, you know, like they go through some stuff that a lot of Christians won't go through. They, they, they have to, to be creative in ways that most Christians don't have to in North America, right? I think a dream that I would have is to see some of them like really find a platform or, you know, let their voice be heard and let their experience be useful to, to many. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I think a lot of them are just so... Underrated is not the word, but so some of them are so under the radar, right? Like, 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 people, like, either people don't value their experience, or people don't give them a chance to be able to to, to share their experience and, and share what they have learned. But I would definitely love to see more of them, like, you know, rise up to the challenge of okay, like, I have a piece in this global kingdom where I can actually help somebody from somewhere else. Mm. One of the dreams that I have is to see, like, you know, Chinese churches to even reach a point where they're like, okay, like, we're ready, like, come come to our Chinese church, and you know, like. And learn, you know, like if you want to try stuff, like this is the best place to try, right? Because like it might actually work here. I would love to see that kind of posture from the Chinese churches. Some of them do, uh, which is pretty cool. And the stuff they come up with is, is, you know, it's creative, it's effective, somehow like transposable to other churches. So like, you know, I think I, like, I just want more of that because I think everybody loves Quebec, you know, for, for the food, for the culture. Uh, But I think, you know, in terms of, uh, what the church has to offer, what the Chinese church has to offer. Like, I think that it's, yeah, it's, it's yet to come. So be on the mm. lookout, be on the lookout. Awesome. And we also love Quebec because Reese is there. That's a given. <laughs> Thanks guys. That is a given. Yes. <laughs> All right, Reese. thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It was insightful and it was something that was imaginative. Like you're, you're painting a picture of, of something that we haven't experienced before. And I think it's, it's actually very good for us to dwell and consider what does that mean for all of us. So thank you so much. Thanks for the invitation, guys. All right. Once again, you guys have been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast. That helps us get this conversation out there. We love hearing the feedback from you guys. We'd love to hear what you guys think about what Reese said today. Please send us a quick message on Instagram, Facebook, email, or by Twitter. We'd love to dialogue with you. And we hope that you'll join us on this journey. See you next time. Peace. Peace.